I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, all that other good stuff. I'd um, love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Mike Rose on the line. He's a CEO over at Mojo Media Labs and author of ROI Power, or excuse me, ROE Powers ROI, The Ultimate Way to Think and Communicate for Ridiculous Results. Um, so, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. So I'm excited to get more into what you're doing over at uh, Mojo Media Labs and also to talk a little bit more about your book. Um, interesting title, ROE Powers, Powers ROI. I want to get into what that means. But before we do that, let's get into your background a little bit more. Um, so how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Sure. So, uh, man, it started a long time ago. So i I uh, always been entrepreneurial, so I had the – um, all the small businesses you can think of as a, as a child um, and and resold items to continue to make more money. But when I graduated high school, uh, and I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so my mom and dad owned owned a small Italian bakery uh, in, in western Pennsylvania. So I'd grow, grown up in an entrepreneurial family. I was an entrepreneur. But when I graduated high school, I the last thing I ever wanted to do was own my own business. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it was for many reasons, but primarily because I just saw how hard my parents worked in their business and never really uh, got uh, a lot of return for that. So their return on, on time or investment, if you will, was very, very low. And I really just did not want to, to do that. And so when I graduated uh, high school, um, time to, and, and in my senior year of high school, I didn't even think about going to college either. I mean, it was just a very small town, you know. I would have been the very first one in my family to go to college, much less graduate from college, which I finally did. Um, but it wasn't until my senior year of high school, and my friends were in a car. The guy who was driving the car was in college, and he asked the folks, you know, he asked everybody in the car, my friends, where are you guys going to college? And the guy in the passenger seat said, I'm going to IUP. The next guy said, I'm going to Penn State. And the next guy coming around to me, you know, in the back seat, he said he's going to Gannon University. And I wasn't prepared for that question. I had never been asked mm. that question. My parents didn't challenge me with that question. And I just said, I'm going to Gannon too. And my friend next to me said, You're going I didn't know you were going to Gannon. I'm going to Gannon. This is fantastic. <laughs> and so so I went home and I was all excited and I was pumped and I told my parents, I'm going to Gannon University and later found out, you know, it's a private Catholic school in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, about two hours from where we grew up and and, you know, my parents were like, we weren't prepared for this, you know. So long story short, I ended up going to Gannon. We figured out a way to make that happen, and my friend never went. So Chris wow. figured that my friend Smitty, who said he was going to go to Gannon, never did. But he really pushed me to think differently in that in that instance because I didn't want to be the only one saying I wasn't going. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I went I, – I did a 180 from business. I decided to uh, – go pre-med and so I ended up going pre-med um, in that course of, of time my parents and my family moved to Texas where we where I live now in the Dallas Fort Worth area and I uh, finished college here graduated in biochemistry 
um, went, was pre-med um, and, and decided not to go to medical school at the last minute, went into research and development, leveraging my degree in biochemistry. And uh, then one day, the, as I say, the e-gene, the entrepreneurial gene just mm. kicked in. And it was about four years into research and development. And I called my dad and I said, hey, I'm going to start a business. And I was 29 years old. And uh, he responded with, blank, giddy, blank, blank. What are you thinking? You know, you're the first one to go to college, wants to graduate. You don't want to be an entrepreneur. You don't, you know, the lessons that you've learned as a young child and growing up in a business. I said, I just got to do it. I just have to do this. So I resigned. I went, went into the business full time on August 1st, 1997. And I have not looked back since. Oh, my heart hurts for your dad. Just that whole thing. Anybody that's listening to this, that's gone through and that it has that quote unquote e-gene. If you have the e-gene and you're listening, everybody's cringing in their car right now. Like, Oh, oh my gosh. And depending on if you're, harvesting a big harvest right now and doing well or if you're maybe in a dry time if you're in a dry time you're like oh why'd i do this if you're harvesting you're like it's all going to be worth it don't worry the story gets better <laughs> so it just depends on where you're at and i think it's amazing mike i'm you're the first person i've interviewed that was peer pressured into going to college from his peers Normally it happens from the adult figures or something else. It was literally your your peers like, well, I'm going to college too. That's amazing. <laughs> so well, my, my obviously parents, my parents didn't prepare me. That's for sure. So so obviously you know you've been an entrepreneur for uh, for a long time now and you've done well and you've had your ups and downs as we all do. And um, I've, and you grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so you probably were a little bit more better prepared, at least ideologically, in terms of some of the things that you may have ahead of you. Um, but that being said, with you know the benefit of hindsight being 2020, if you could go back to that Mike that was just getting started and give him some advice, um, what kind of things would you tell him? Wow, that's that's a good question. Um, you're right. My, what I would say, my parents did not prepare me for college, but what they, what they did prepare me for is life. Um, though they didn't say you're going to college, what they did give me is this, just this innate ability to think that I can do anything, you know, um, and that, that is something that's more important than, you know, providing an education or providing uh, 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 money or startup or whatever the case might be, or handing it over a second second generation business. Um, mm -hmm. what, what they what they gave me was the ability to connect with people and look people in the eye when you talk to them. You know the old fashioned skills that just are so critically important for success. Um, what what I would what I would tell myself though at the be uh, 22 years ago coming August is you, you can't do everything. You know, you can't do it all. You have to surround yourself with incredibly smart people. You have to learn to say, I don't know. That's what, that what took me many years to come up with. I don't know. What do you think um, is, is a great question to ask, ask yourself and surround yourself with people smarter than you. Um, surround yourself with people who are really passionate in areas that you're not passionate in. Um, it's okay to go with your strengths and not only focus on building up your weaknesses to support your strengths. Hire people for your weaknesses and surround yourself with just amazingly talented people and, and stretch on talent when you have to hire somebody. That would be something I would do. And I didn't do that in the first 10 years or so, and, and it, was, it was very challenging. 
Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And you come and you're you're a smart person. So meaning based off your background, based on what you did in school, you're definitely one of the sharper people out there. I think my my gift was I could say I don't know really early on. I'm like I don't know and I don't want to know. Just make it happen. Um, so I I get it. I can I get how that can be, especially for people that are listening that have just all, are really sharp and quick and learn things really quickly. Um, to, to to realize that you have to involve other people, bring them in, and leverage their talents and get the best out of them in order to grow to any any significant size. You just can't. You can only do it so far by yourself. So I love those tips, Mike. Um, let's switch it up a bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing uh, over at um, Mojo Media Labs. So what kind of clients are you helping and what are you helping them with? Yeah. Um, so Mojo Media Labs, um, first of all, the name uh, came from media. Media is the art in marketing. It's the creative side of marketing in labs. It comes from my background uh, in the lab, um, actually, but being very scientific, being very yeah. analytical, uh, being very left brain. So what we say is when you, mix, when you combine art and science, which business development today, sales, marketing, business development has become both an art and a science. And when you create uh, uh, this art and science, you create, you, you make mojo. So what we say, that's where the Mojo Media Labs name comes from. Um, but essentially, who we do work for, mid-market companies in the manufacturing, the professional services, healthcare space. Um, we're, we're a B2B mid-market company. Um, when it comes to building, uh, uh, doing a digital transformation on a company to get to that next level of, of creating an amazing digital footprint, driving leads to a sales team, helping close uh, deals in the pipeline, and creating all the content and the technology around that. That's what we're just super passionate to do. And so I know you've, you know, you work with a lot of companies, and based off of that, every company is going to be different, and also in terms of, um, you know, their challenges are going to are going to slightly be different. But that being said, I know themes arise over time. What kind of um, themes or things do you find that a lot of companies are doing wrong before they come in to seek your guidance? Yeah, it's a great question too. So what, what I would say is they have a very lead-based approach to their business development. They have a very contact-based approach, one-on-one um, -on -one based approach, if you will. Um, wh where we help the most is taking more of an account-based approach. So looking at an account set, you know, not looking at an individual person first. So we like to start with um, the ideal customer profile of our client. So defining who the perfect fit account is and then looking at the total addressable market and then narrowing that down to a manageable number. So then the company, our clients, can be much more strategic in their, their outbound sales and marketing efforts because they know they're selling and marketing to an account that it's going to be a great fit. Um, where contacts come into play, however, is when we look at the engagement levels, the intent levels within those accounts and how they're interacting with your digital content and with your people. Um, so that's where we start as a baseline for a lot of our clients. And it's, it's how sales have been doing it for many, many years. But we're bringing that marketing mindset to the, to the, to the, mark, to the, to the sales uh, office, so to speak. And now we're seeing sales and marketing alignment uh, happen much, much better with our client base. And then they're all working with the same accounts, with the same intent. And it's, it's pretty exciting when that happens. 
No, that sounds that sounds exciting, um, and I can see it. And just where technology is going, and just the tools we have now. I mean, you're like you got to be from based off of when you started. You know, um, you know, over a decade ago. Now you've got to be like a kid in the candy store with your analytics. Are you kidding me? Like the data you have access to, immediate, and to be able to test something and get immediate either gratification or actually it's gratification either way. It either worked or it didn't. But you have yep. there's no there's no gap um so now i mean i know that your your mind is probably on fire all day long with um with what's possible um with every new client so that's exciting i i love it in my mind because in the past prior to all of these analytics and things being available and these tools that are continuing to get more advanced and you had ai and a lot of other things that are just happening um at a faster rate somebody like yourself who had a certain skill set of being analytical was told that they had to be in a lab you couldn't marry the art part of it um as you've done in your company you couldn't be a creative type you had to count um butterfly wings and patterns you couldn't do other things and now it's like no actually um that's an extremely valuable skill set and very unique for what the market and business overall needs um, let's, I want to talk, I want to get into your book a little bit um, more also. Um, so ROE um, powers, powers ROI, the ultimate way to think and communicate for ridiculous results. Um, what was the inspiration for that one? You know, the, the inspiration really, as, as typically I think great things happen, they don't start that way. They just start with an idea and solving a problem. Um, my problem early on was I wasn't a natural leader, um, uh, definitely not a natural manager. You know, I was a do-it-myself person, you know, and, and I needed a crutch. I needed a tool. I needed, I needed a methodology, something to help me um, interact, not with clients. That's something that my dad gave me, but managing employees and managing uh, peers, uh, working with peers, et cetera. So I started this methodology. I started to see this trend that was happening in all my conversations with all peoples, and and I just started to experiment. And I had probably two years of experimentation and, and proven process that my wife really pushed me to say, "Hey, you got to get, you got to write a book on this. This is something uh, that you just have got to do." So I never intended to do it, but I did it, and uh, it, it really helps you connect the right message to the right person at the right time. Um, and to see the big picture, uh, but at the same time be in the weeds, which is really important at certain, certain times. So we can approach it from 52,000 feet, which is the arc of the globe, or you can approach it from a management VP level um, on how to implement strategy, uh, but then also how to implement it as well. So putting that vision strategy and tactics together in a way that can communicate internally has been transformational for us. Mm. And so, um, you know, if I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm thinking why, what, like, what would be one of the main reasons I'd want to read this book? So ROE powers ROI. Um, what would be like a good, a good one to two takeaways that you would, you would say would be worth, um, whoever, whatever, wherever they're doing right now, stopping and buying this book. Um, what would be one or two different sure. things that you could say in a succinct way that are just like, Hey, you need to read this book because. Well, what I would say first and foremost is whomever is listening to this, this, this podcast right now, whatever stage of life you're in, financially, relationships, whatever, what we all have in common is we only have so much time, okay? 
Some of us have more money. Some of us has less more money, less money. Some of us work harder. Some less work less less hard. Um, but what we all have is time. And when you put time, money, and effort together, is where the return on energy comes from, and that's where the basis of the book is. So if you want to learn how to balance those three things and then help, the most the, the most exciting thing that we can do is give the gift of that to somebody else, helping them uh, communicate better, uh, perform better. Um, uh, and, and the number one, you know, stress, anxiety-producing uh, issue in most companies is the lack of communication. So if we can increase and better our communications, and that communication changes whether you're talking to a salesperson or a VP of sales or a CEO or a or a, a somebody who's a copywriter. That, that conversation changes. So knowing how to have that effective communication between people is, is what I would say. And that's something that you can give to somebody. That's something that you can take with you at all stages of your career. That's what I like to hear. And so that's why you should go pick up that book. And great answer. So ROE powers ROI. So, and that's on Amazon. And so, Mike, if somebody is listening to this and they want more information on uh, Mojo Media Labs, uh, what's the best way for them to get it? Sure. Mojo's purpose is to enrich lives, clearly. And, and our, our mission is to help you grow smarter, whether that's you as an individual or you, your business. And if you want to do that, you can find us at mojomedialabs.com. Um, we're here to help, and uh, hopefully we can talk soon. All right, fantastic. Well, hey, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing more about what your, your experience is and also what you're doing over at Mojo Media Labs and uh, also your book. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you.